This portion of our program is brought to you by the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln, right off of 146. Delicious food and drink, always a nice crowd. You can either eat in the lounge area, there's normally a game on and a nice group of people there, or you could sit out in the dining room. Don't forget the nice weather, they have the deck open. The Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln, delicious food and drinks awaiting for you. I'll see you at the Lodge. You're listening to The John DiPietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, dipietro.com. Well, I am very pleased to report that Senate Minority Leader, State Senator Jessica, Jessica De La Cruz, has now jumped into the game and is speaking out about Zamborano now It did clear this hurdle now, but concerns remain. State's Housing Secretary won approval, moved to start at least 10 families into these cottages to form a homeless village in Boroughville. But the senator who represents them is concerned. This is Kathy Gregg with the Providence Journal. In an interview given after the approval, State Senator Jessica De La Cruz voiced concerns about the lack of basic information. Finally, a Republican whose district stretches over Burville, Gloucester, North Smithfield, De La Cruz says she's concerned about hospital population and the unhoused population, not yet clear about the basics like access to transportation for unhoused people moved to this rural part of the state and the safety of the hospital staff and patients who have privileges that allow them to roam the grounds, the garden and the lake. Are we taking family units or are we taking individuals? Will there be wraparound services, she asked, noting the cottages have no kitchens. She also questioned how the families would eat, noted the long-running fire code compliance problems in the state in the hospital kitchen. State nonetheless relied on provide food cottages were last used. Will it hurt or affect the patients at Zambrano? That's my number one concern as a senator for Burrowville. How is the state responding? Well, they said the answer to those questions, uh, they're going to have further talks. Listen, they don't have any answer on that. Transportation, families that self-select to move uh, may have a vehicle. Listen, here's what they need to recognize. They want to get them out of Providence. Governor McKee told his people, I want them out of Providence. Get these people out of Providence. I don't care. Go put them in Boroughville. Get get them out of the, the armory. Get them off the steps of the state house, and just ship them up there. And then we'll figure it out. They could eat at the hospital. I don't really care, but just get them out of there. So, but this, the, w- there are many problems along here, in, involved with this, and you know this business. The cottages need minor repairs. Uh, timelines unknown. Like, can you believe, folks, these people have these state jobs? There's, there's nothing proactive. They're so slow. They were last used for quarantine during the pandemic. Cottage is also used by Phoenix House, substance abuse recovery, adolescents and teens. Cottages need minor repairs. Do you understand these people have been living on the street? Uh, you know, could be weeks or months before they're ready. Like, are you kidding me? Just get some crews up there and do it in a day. Ridiculous. And the fact of the matter is, I believe State Senator Jessica De La Cruz, I don't think, for number one, okay, finally, she is speaking out. But I would argue she's not asking the right questions and she's not making strong enough statements, such as, what's the number? Now, I want people to keep in mind, That the McKee administration, you have to look at where they were. You can't just take them at their word. Where were they? Well, they were going to put 500 homeless pallets in Cranston until the mayor of Cranston and the uh, elected officials in Cranston and others raised their voices and made, you know, lack of a better phrase, but a big stink about it. And then McKee paused that idea. That doesn't mean 
the homeless pallets went away. That doesn't mean the idea didn't go away. So what you need is a foothold. What I'm being told is Zamborano, this is just, let's get a foothold up there. Let's just get some presence up there, and then we can, you know, figure out and do the rest. But I believe some of the questions, and, and she did this after. These were comments after the journal. This is after. They're already moving forward here. So her comments to Kathy Gregg came after the hearing. But I think some of the questions should have been asked is, well, what? how much is this going to be capped at? Is this the beginning? Is just this the start? How many? How many people are going to come? So you're going to put these people in these, quote, cottages. Where are they going to eat? Of course that makes sense. Um, and on top of that, there's something much larger here, folks. And I want you to understand this. Listen, it's not that I'm not, I'm not sympathetic or... You know, everything is it must lead with compassion and everything has to be about compassion. And they're having a problem right now, right in Providence, um, off the highway, off 146, where a homeless encampment has set up. And everything they say is, well, it must lead with compassion. Nothing can be done without compassion. But the fact of the matter is, and the Zamorano problem here is the state's basically adopting these people. Because look at the way the questions are. Well, who's going to transport them back and forth? And who's going to feed them? And it's like you're getting a new infant that you're bringing home. So where are they going to sleep? And who's going to feed them? And who's going to give them transportation? I mean, is there anyone listing that is comfortable with the state moving into this role? I, I, can't, I can't believe in this day and age we're moving into these discussions. And that's where you get the entitlement that comes in. Because the more you treat it that way, the more these people feel like, well, I'm just going to sit back and you need to find out who's going to put the food in my kitchen and who's going to drive me to Providence to see, you know, do whatever. And who's going to do that? And who's going to do like this is that like, what are they talking about? So now they're completely going to be in charge of these individuals. I don't. I, I am completely against this. So I don't think this is healthy in any way, uh, the direction that this is going to go. And and now this new encampment, Channel 10 has the story, now this new encampment in Providence. Folks, you didn't have this years ago. But don't you understand what's happening? The state is basically saying, you know, we're going to give you this and we're going to give you that. And you can do it. You can make it. And then we're going to provide food for you for this. And we're going to provide food for you for that. Here's the uh, NBC 10 piece on this latest homeless, homeless encampment. About another homeless encampment in Providence. Nearby residents are afraid and a local nonprofit is worried about what they're all calling a sad situation. Good evening. I'm Patrice Wood. I'm Gene Valisanti. This is in the Charles section. And that organization in distress tonight has been helping the needy there for decades. Now it needs help. As NBC 10's Cal Donowski tells us live tonight in Providence. Cal? Yeah, good evening, Gina Patrice. As we're speaking, a Ward 4 public safety overarching meeting is actually wrapping up right now where residents could come and voice their concerns about public safety just in general. But one of those topics and one of the things that a resident did bring up to us was growing concerns over a homeless encampment, which if you look right back there, is tucked behind those trees. Uh. I mean, people shouldn't have to live this way. Concerns over a homeless encampment in Providence's North End. Vincent Marzullo runs the Da Vinci Center on Charles Street. He says in recent weeks there's been an uptick in tents, trash, and debris by the West River, and those living nearby have told him they're worried. I'm concerned about the individuals who are living in those tents and have various issues and challenges of drug addiction, mental illness, just down on their luck, and, and at the same time it's creating fear and stress for the residents that are here in Charles Place. Is this the way we really want folks to live and be treated? The encampment is also close to Isaac Hopkins Middle School. Providence City Councilor Justin Royas says he's talked at wow. length with locals who are worried about this. The truth is there's there's Oof. kneels. Some folks have described feeling harassed. There are serious concerns. I'm not here to fear monger, especially when there are folks 
who are in desperate need of housing and they're living through dire circumstances. During a public safety meeting Tuesday, a Charles Place resident who didn't want to show her face or give her name shared her experiences with the encampment. Starting fires, making it all look nasty and hours of the night they're back there just yelling, screaming fighting with one another. Every day's a struggle. A man who didn't want to show his face either says he's lived by the river for a year and a half. When you have situations like this where people are, like, stopping and, and hungry, you know what I mean? They get desperate, you know? And that's just the way it is. Um, but in all in all, we, I know a bunch of good people around here. You know? Well, folks are, are, are really going through it. And so we need to approach this, I, I believe, from a place of compassion first. Hmm. You know, as far as the fires and everything, the fires, that's a problem. That is a problem. Boy, can you imagine that's your council person? The truth, the truth is, he's got his bowl cut there. Um, hey, Dutch boy called. They want their hair cut. They want the pink hand back. Wow, what a mess, folks. And McKee has no solutions or plan. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. Get your driveway paved. J. Perry Paving. Letter J. J. Perry Paving. High quality, fair pricing, exceptional service, over 25 years experience, specialized commercial paving, residential paving, seal coating. Call for a free estimate today. 401-732-1730. J. Perry Paving. Hey, learn about the benefits of asphalt paving, whether it's a brand new paving project or a cracked driveway. It's affordable, smooth, safe to drive on, aesthetically appealing. Asphalt can be recycled, reused. J. Perry Paving, a licensed and insured contracting company committed to meeting your needs. No matter how big, how small, contact them today for a free quote, 401-732-1730. What a difference it makes for your driveway, for your business, parking lot. J, letter J, J Perry Paving, 401-732-1730. Online at jperrypaving.com and look for them on Facebook. Folks, you're listening to the John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Joining us right now on the line, he is the Attorney General forward island and it is attorney general peter narona uh general narona thank you for joining us and uh it's great to talk to you good morning john good to be with you as well uh attorney general narona i want to just first touch on uh i think it's a very valid comparison that you put out uh on a tweet regarding how your office matches up against that of delaware and if you could just touch on that a little bit yeah, so um, obviously I have contact with my fellow attorneys general around the country, and one of the ones I have a lot of contact with is Kathy Jennings in Delaware because she has exactly the same mission that I do, which is uh, unique to us. We are both the DA. There are no DAs in Delaware, and there are no DAs in Rhode Island, so we have all of the uh, criminal um Uh, prosecution responsibilities, but we also have all of the functions of uh, the attorney general in other areas like healthcare and environmental and defending the state. So our missions are exactly the same, and that's unique. Connecticut, for example, is very different. They have county attorneys in addition to the AG. Massachusetts has DAs, as everybody knows, I think, in addition to the AG. So we have the same mission. And the states, as everyone knows, I think, too, are the same size. They have about a million people that reside in each state. Many of the same issues. Um, Wilmington has some of the same violent crime issues that Providence does, so they are very, very, very similar. And um, I have about 250 staff, and Kathy Jennings in Delaware has over 500. I have about 100 lawyers, and Kathy Jennings has about 220. So I'm, I am literally half the size. We are literally half the size of the office in Delaware. And so, you know, it's a good point of comparison, and I think it explains why our folks are really stretched. Um, and, and so, uh, you know, it's one of the reasons I'm asking for more resources. I am, I'm not asking for anything close to doubling the size of my office, far from it. You know, if you put my ad, my budget ask in context, it, it would, you know, it's really a very small addition. But it's definitely necessary for us to continue to do our jobs at the level where Islanders should expect. General, I like how um, 
you also have pointed out that there are, I believe you said there are 300 lawyers on the payroll for the state. Only 100 of them work for you. That's, that's you know, 200 that are just then spread out around state government. Yeah, and look, I think um, all state agencies need lawyer help, you know, and I don't want to, you know, talk to exactly how many they ought to have. But it does strike me that when there are, I mean, I think we put the count at 330, that when there are 230 lawyers in the state, uh, 330, I have 100 or 230 elsewhere, I think it points up, you know, some of the challenges that I face and perhaps a a need for, if I can't get additional resources, um, that perhaps lawyers and other agencies will just need to step up a little bit um, and handle some of the, excuse me, John, more routine cases. So my office often is tasked to handle things like slip and fall cases, you know, things that don't require our expertise, but nevertheless, we get uh, we get involved in simply because the reaction has always been, well, just send that to the attorney general and, and they'll do it. And my folks have really tried to do that. But what I have found um, by uh, by really talking to my people um, is that we are at the point where we just cannot do that any longer if we don't get more help. Um, we're just really overburdened there, and it is really putting a lot of strain on our ability to defend the state. It's not just, you know, that my people can't handle it. I mean, they can. I mean, they're working really hard. But the problem is cases take too long uh, to resolve. Interest, John, I know you'll appreciate this. You have a head for math and, and, and interest, uh, is running at 12% from the wow. time those cases are filed. So yep. we have to get those cases resolved and, and resolved quickly. And I just don't have the personnel uh, to do it. We're defending 600 cases with, with less than 10 people, I, I would say that government litigation unit is around seven to eight people. So they're defending 600 cases worth $70 million is where we put the exposure with 12% on top of that. I got to have more people to be able to do that, or I'm just going to have to reduce. You know, my plan, John, is if I don't get the resources, is I think really reasonable. You know, it's just to stop taking cases for a period of time until we can get our caseloads down to where they should be, where we can represent the state capably. And my hope is that some of those other agencies, lawyers, will be able to step up and, and handle that. You know, I, I was on a – we were on a Zoom with the Department of Health about a lab issue. And, yeah, there are four or five lawyers that work for the Department of Health, including one of my former uh, lawyers who was hired by them on a contract basis. Uh, it seems to me that, that some of those lawyers, particularly if they were in my office previously, ought to be able to handle some of their, some of their litigation. Folks, again, we're speaking with Attorney General Peter Narona. General, I'm curious how this caseload – matches up against your perspective of when you were a U.S. attorney? Well, to put it in comparison, John, and I can also go back to when I was an assistant AG under Attorneys General Pine and, and White House. So let me start with the U.S. Attorney's Office. So by comparison, the U.S. Attorney's Office with about, I would say, 15, 16 prosecutors, 21, 22 lawyers total, but maybe a few more now. But when I was there, 21, 22 lawyers or so, 15, 16 doing criminal cases. We would charge, I mean, I think our high in any given year is because I really, I really tried to raise those numbers was maybe 130 cases, but was on average was 100 cases. And, you know, they weren't all big, complicated cases. Some right. were fairly simple firearms cases. Some were immigration cases. You know, someone had been deported and come back, you know. So certainly some were complicated. You know, I think of the Speaker Fox case that we did there and the case involving a Navy base was a big bribery scheme, scheme down there. But they weren't all incredibly complicated cases. By comparison, the 70 prosecutors in my office, they have 30 people doing civil and 70 doing uh, prosecution. Um, Although 70 prosecutors right now are handling around 14,000 cases. We're charging 5,000 cases a year, John. And they're not not small cases. I mean, many of these cases, but they're all felonies for one thing. You know, and some of them are significant, significant cases, crimes against children, homicides, uh, serious narcotics trafficking, gun trafficking. And uh, though, you know, my prosecutors are handling 250 to 300 cases each. Those are all-time highs. When I was in the office back in the late 90s, early 2000s, you didn't you didn't get to 150. I mean, if you were in the narcotics unit, you might be over 100. You know, between 100 and 125. The rest of us were under. I wasn't in that unit. The rest of us were, you know, were managing anywhere 50 to 75. You know, maybe it got close to 100. I mean, these caseloads are strikingly high. And if you were to just come through my office and just look at the people, um, you know, in their offices, you know, they don't complain. They are mostly on the young side and they have a lot of enthusiasm and yep. and, uh, and and confidence and ready to get in the arena attitude. 
but it's too many cases for them to handle capably. I'm yeah. all around the office. You know, I'm trying to do healthcare, John, with one lawyer. I have one one lawyer dedicated wow. to healthcare by statute, and it's you know the healthcare challenges we face. We yes. had the merger we had to deal with, and I have to pull people from elsewhere in the office to be able to do these large healthcare transactions. So what does that mean for Rhode Islanders? What's the cost, if you will? Well, if you think body cam uh, body cams are a good thing on police officers, well, it took us an extra year to get that done because I had to pull the person working on my body cam hmm. program to work on the antitrust part of the merger. I had to pull my consumer uh, lawyer. It's a great young lawyer. Steve Provazzo came to us from Wilma Hale, one of the best law firms in the world, wants to do public service. He's terrific. But I had to put him on the antitrust part of the merger uh, as well. And so our consumer protection efforts, which are really stepping up, got really delayed because of that. And so and so, um, I really need to expand in that area. Energy, you know, we were the ones fighting for Rhode Islanders um, with, with the sale of Narragansett Electric from the grid to Rhode Island Energy. Only, only my office intervened there, John. The governor's office wasn't in that case. Uh, right. Only we were there. And in fact, we got a bad decision out of one of the agencies, uh, you know, the, Depart- uh, the Division of Public Utilities and Carriers, that we had to go to court and get flipped around. So... They actually argued against me in court when I'm trying to get hmm. more money for Rhode Islanders. So, so our battles are have been have been fierce, uh, but I think we have really stepped up for Rhode Islanders. And, and what I've asked for in this year's budget is a modest investment in the office of 20 f 20 personnel. Uh, so I'm not doubling; it's just 20 on top of the 250 I've got. I won't be if I get them all. I'll only be 270. I won't be at the 500 uh, Delaware has. But I can I can uh, point to every one of those positions as to why they are necessary. And, you know, people talk about my cold case unit that I'm asking for to bring justice for for victims that have waited a long time, but the trail has gone cold. Right. That's a three hundred and fifty thousand dollar ask, John. It's, it's not like we're talking about millions of dollars. Yeah. All in, it's two million dollars. And we've brought five hundred million dollars back to the state over the last uh, four years of, of my of my tenure. So I think I think we've demonstrated that if you invest in us, we'll deliver. And it's one of the reasons I waited so long um, to make this ask. And I wanted to prove first that if the public and the government had had confidence in us, we would deliver for Rhode Islanders. And and I'd like to think we've done that. General, and again, we're sweet with Attorney General Peter Doran. Next time you have an emergency, think AtMed Urgent Care. Two locations, 1524 Atwood Avenue, Johnston. That's right in the Atwood Medical Center. And also 5750 Post Road, East Greenwich, right across from Felicia's. AtMed Urgent Care, when you have an emergency, they specialize ambulatory medicine. They provide immunization, school, and sports physicals. At AtMed Urgent Care, they provide comprehensive outpatient health care to individuals families they're on duty at all times they're open seven days a week walk-in routine urgent care minor surgical now if you're in a car accident go to atment urgent care avoid the long wait at the emergency rooms they also do adult vaccinations laboratory testing atment urgent care when it's an emergency 1524 Atwood Avenue in Johnston, that's right, in the Atwood Medical Center, and also 5750 Post Road, East Greenwich, online at admedurgentcare.net. Falcon Pest Services, 12 months of the year, you could have a pest problem serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts called Falcon Pest Services today, 401-739-1322. Free consultation, 401 401- 739-1322 locally owned and operated serving rhode island and southeastern mass they offer services for termites bed bugs ants roaches mice rats in the summertime spring fall mosquitoes and many other pests call today for a free consultation whether it's for your home or a restaurant maybe it's once a year maybe it's once a month call falcon pest services today Free consultation, 401-739-1322. Residential and commercial, whether it's an office building, a school, a hotel, a restaurant, or your home, call Falcon Pest Services today. Free consultation, 401-739-1322. You're listening 
to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. <clears throat> you can always listen online at the website, dipietro.com. So, welcome to May. And May also means it'll be the one-year anniversary that a woman in Warwick was reported missing, Charlotte Lester. Now, the one-year anniversary is Tuesday night, May 16th. It was a Monday night where Charlotte Lester, 44-year-old woman, was last seen right around 10 o'clock, Appenog section of Warwick, going up the hill from the Crow's Nest to 29th Staples Avenue, and then she was never seen again. Now, no one has been charged. It's been a lot. We've certainly tried to draw attention to the case. I also want to point out for people what made this different, because I hear from people from time to time about missing person cases and so forth. And um, tragically, many times today, <clears throat> when you see someone is missing, um, unfortunately, many times it's they're a teen and they're actually a runaway. And they meet someone online and they go away with them for a few days. Uh, and then, by and large, they come back a few days later, a week later, sometimes two weeks later. But they're actually not missing. They're just, in essence, a runaway. And, and tragically, there, there is a lot of that. And, um, but, but there's a difference between that and this case, the Charlotte Lester case, where suddenly she was last seen on a Monday night. And then on Wednesday night of last year, her dog was found off Elmwood Avenue, a place called Belmont Park. And then the following Monday, her truck was found at Kent Hospital. Now, this is the case where then as I, and, and I want to explain something because I've actually kind of have a new theory on it and new ideas on it. And there is new information. It remains unsolved. I believe it will be solved. I believe at some point the work police have never given up on the Charlotte Lester case. They are still working on it. It remains a priority. There have been different theories about it. The media, the rest of the media hasn't covered it as obviously extensively as we have. But uh, some important parts about the case, and, and one thing that jumps in is, you know, you follow the police. I, I learned a lot about law enforcement by doing this and also about the law folks like anything else as many as much as i cover many of these things i'm like anything else i'm like a student where i'm absorbing and learning from covering a lot of these stories and in this particular case um you have a situation where the police she was reported missing finally that thursday and so sometime on thursday or friday unknown to us right now they went and for what we understand knocked on the door at 29 staples that is the home owned by mark perkins now we don't know what that conversation was could have been thursday could have been friday could have been thursday and friday but what we do know is that saturday morning now so monday night was the 16th last year tuesday was the 17th wednesday was the 18th dog found Thursday's the 19th, Friday's the 20th. Police were notified she was missing. On Saturday the 21st, police put out uh, a social media post and also a press release about help with a missing person case. Also, on that Saturday morning, Warwick police arrived at 29 Staples with a search warrant. And that entire house and property was turned into, as many of you that have followed it, I've talked about turned into a crime scene. They weren't there for the full day. They were there for a month. When I say full day, I meant they weren't there just for the day. A full month. Now that Sunday, from what we understand, they removed and dug up the septic system at the home, which is right as you come in the driveway and then there's a fence and then the septic system. 24-7, the entire property was roped off into a crime scene. And for 24-7 for a month, the Warwick police were on scene standing guard at the house. 
Now, they did not leave until the weekend of the 17th and the 18th of June. So, as there's been different speculation, and then there were searches and so forth, but as there was speculation, and then one of the searches did, they found those love notes behind Kent Hospital. I was there when they found them. That was Memorial Day weekend of last year. But... <clears throat> As they, um, different theories, you, you know, when I've learned, you come back to where were the police? Did the police stake out other, any other land or property and search it um, and set up a crime scene tape? Not that we're aware of. The family, with a private investigator, um, were able to also, you know, talk and exclude certain potential people the one person they were they were <clears throat> who would also not communicate with them was in fact the person that charlotte lester tragically was in a re- some form of a relationship with it was a newer relationship and by all accounts she was headed there that that night now that i've spoken to there's there's people at a liquor store right there in appenog section of warwick she was a regular um, they knew her. They knew what she liked to drink. They also knew a certain type of beer that that individual, Perkins, drank. And that night, she went in, purchased wine for herself, beer for him, and then was going to be heading up there, up the hill, because it is a little bit of a hill over by the crow's nest. So, but this brings us back. It's still unsolved. But it also then goes back to the incident this past summer in August when i was there now i went and then he and people have seen the tape right he attacked me the orange ski mask the lawnmower um but what's a missing equation of this that the media doesn't include and i think it should be part of it i know a lot about the case i've learned a lot about the case i'm still learning about the case and a very key element of the case regarding charlotte lester and this this person mark perkins who remains he's out he hasn't been charged with anything but was the mattress we broke the story that he got a new mattress and the reason that was significant was because we i interviewed someone who said that she gave him a hard time to get a new mattress in october of 21 because his mattress was like 25 years old so he finally went out and got a new mattress. And then suddenly, last May, he got another new mattress. So you're talking about someone that hasn't had a new mattress in 20, 25 years, and then they they buy two mattresses in less than six months. And it's my understanding, not exactly cooperative what happened to the old mattress. So it has come to my attention, the motive for the attack on me was really because I had broken the story about the mattress. A lot of, a big part of this case, the Charlotte Lester case, it actually revolves around the mattress. Now, if you go to thepetro.com, we have the recordings of his family members insisting that he told them he bought the mattress that Sunday on the 15th, the day before she went, Charlotte went missing. Now, evidence will show that was not the case. He purchased it after that. There's a theory that perhaps something happened in the home. It happened on the mattress, and then the mattress, he had to get rid of the mattress for DNA purposes. But a central question would come down to why would you lie to family members of when you got a mattress? Why would you lie about that? when there is i now know you know what mattress where where was purchased and and that's a central question why would you mislead people as to when you purchase something he didn't purchase it on the sunday and this whole business he's got receipts and everything else the mattress was purchased past may 17th the attack on me the motive was because I uncovered the police were searching for the mattress. It's going to be a big month. And that is the latest on the Charlotte Lester case on the John DePietro Show.
This portion of the John DePietro Show, it's brought to you by Lawn Doctor, your best lawn ever guaranteed. And I can tell you with my own experience what a fantastic job they did and have done with my lawn. The easiest thing to do is log on to their website. It's LawnDoctor.com. LawnDoctor.com. Put in your zip code, your best lawn ever guaranteed it's lawn doctor of rhode island you can call them 401-392-1025 but log onto their website lawndoctor.com get the most of your outdoor space with limitless outdoors call today for a free quote 401 580 1852 limitless outdoors they specialize in patios walkways steps they did a fantastic job on my outside steps outdoor kitchens landscape lighting retaining walls lawn installations excavation call limitless outdoors today let's dream build and enjoy 401-580-1852 based in smithfield limitless outdoors they also do indoor fireplaces or outdoor fireplaces limitless outdoors call them today free quote get the most of your outside you're gonna love what they can do for you 401-580-1852 401-580-1852 limitless outdoors dream build enjoy to the john DePietro show it's am 1380 99.9 fm remember you can always listen online at our website dipetro.com folks visit the website on the website you'll see all our links to social media whether it's facebook or youtube instagram even tiktok plus you if you want to reach me that's the best way to do it we have unique original stories videos content log on right at the website dipetro.com you're listening to the john DePietro show it's am 1380 99.9 fm folks joining us right now former chief of staff of the national security council and it's fred and fred i want to make sure i pronounce your name last name correctly is it flights fred flights yes all right fred flights fred um i want to start off you know there's just been uh we've been through this period of time and your expertise is foreign affairs let's just start off with i'm very curious to hear you sum up what you feel our situation is right now with china well i think china is an existential threat to our security it's an immediate threat it's a growing threat over the long term uh clearly uh relations with china have seriously deteriorated over the past two years and I think we've seen in every realm, uh, economic, military, intelligence, uh, that Iran, uh, China is, in, is engaged in basically a war with the United States for global domination. And um, what's troubling is that I think relations have deteriorated because China relation, relations with China have been so badly handled by this administration, both from foreign policy incompetence across the board, from a weak foreign policy, uh, a foreign policy that prioritizes climate change over serious threats and uh, just not recognizing the threat from China, I, I think has caused this threat to significantly expand. And I'm, I'm worried where it's going. Fred, how would you describe, you know, because I was having this discussion with someone and they said that China is our enemy. Would you say, are they our enemy? Are they our adversary? You know, I was arguing, okay, um, I was arguing that you know, Mexico, Canada, they're uh, competitors of ours, but they're allies. But how would you describe our relationship? How would, what is China to us? This is part of the problem with this administration that says that China is a competitor. Sometimes they call it a strategic competitor. 
No, Mexico and France and Japan are competitors. Yep. Okay. They're competing for influence, for trade. I like to call China an adversary. I don't like to use the word enemy. Right. So I would like to have a peaceful relationship with it. But we need to recognize that this is not a state that wants to be engaged in a fair competition with other states. This is a state that wants to do anything to win. That's not competing. That's not uh, uh, sportsmanship, if you can have that on the global stage. You know, when we compete for trade with the French, somebody wins, somebody loses. People aren't happy. Uh, but, you know, we, we, when we're competing with China, it's, 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 it's a whole different level. Would it be fair then, Fred, to say that North Korea and Iran, those are two countries, maybe Syria, they would fit the category of not an adversary, but maybe maybe they fall more more into the category of enemy. I guess that's right. Yeah, I, okay. I still I I still try not to use the word enemy sure. because I, I okay. I'd like to salvage relations, but yep. I they're certainly not competitors. Okay. Now, what about Russia? I mean, they're the same way. Then they, I don't think we would describe them as our enemy, but they're definitely an adversary. It's important that we that we the Russians don't think that we're enemies because right. we we have to find a way to end this terrible war in Ukraine and stop Russia from moving towards China. Yep. Certainly, China's act. I'm, I'm certainly Russia is acting like an enemy, uh, and it, it, like it's led by a, a, a ruthless autocrat who who is, uh, you know, frankly just as diabolical as the Chinese. But the problem is that Russia doesn't have the resources. Russia is a is a a shadow of what the Soviet Union used to be. Putin doesn't want to accept that. It's a much, much weaker country. It has a, an economy, I think, the size of Italy's. And uh, it's dangerous because of its military and its nuclear arsenal. Uh, but it is a country in serious decline. Fred, I'm curious, again, folks, we're speaking with Fred Flights, former chief of staff, National Security Council under the Trump administration. Um, what, what, what was the dynamic? How could someone like Putin be so wrong about the invasion of Ukraine? Well, you know, when you, the, the, the advantage of democracies is that leaders are come in and out and, and if they don't succeed, they're voted out or they fail. But when you have um, situation like this with autocracies or dictatorships, you have leaders who stay forever, whether they're competent or not, they're surrounded by yes men who tell them what they want to hear. Um, Putin underestimated the strength of the Ukrainian military and the capabilities of his own military, my guess is because he wasn't told the truth. He wasn't given realistic assessments because people were afraid to give it to him. Yep. And he was living in a fantasy world. He had this distorted view of history that Ukraine really isn't a country. And uh, now we have this uh, disastrous uh, stalemate that uh, he's involved in his country and in Ukraine. Um, Fred, I'm just also um, curious right now, what what do you think, what is the, the biggest, um, as far as the United States, what are some hot spots around the world that, that you take note of and that should be on the radar? And maybe sometimes they're not getting the coverage they should be getting. Well, we talked about uh, Russia and China, yeah. but uh, really there's been very little focus on North Korea now. Um, uh, North Korean President Yoon was uh, welcome to Washington for a state visit and a state dinner in Washington this week. But that dinner was rushed out. And the reason is because the Biden administration really has neglected North Korea. It has a part-time envoy to deal with North Korea. Um, the North Koreans tested a record 75 missiles last year. They may be preparing a seventh underground nuclear test. And I'm, I'm happy to see that the Biden administration is moving towards addressing the security concerns of South Korea and to address this uh, growing threat from North Korea. But uh, really, they, are, they, they have uh, quite a ways to catch up. Now, Fred, pivoting back just for a moment, Russia, Ukraine, you know, we, we're hearing, first of all, this has obviously gone on much longer than, than Putin would have thought, maybe even others thought that, that it would happen. But how do you see the next, what, what's going to be important over the next three to six months in that conflict? I think that Ukraine is entering a difficult time. I believe they'll make some significant gains on the battlefield during this spring offensive, but Ukraine is not going to take back most of its territory. And 
has to face the reality that the high level of military support it's getting from the United States is not going to continue indefinitely. And I fault both the Ukrainian government and the U.S. government for not emphasizing the urgency of peace talks and reaching a ceasefire. Biden's approach of, we'll, well, we will arm Ukraine for as long as it takes, is not realistic and will not be supported in Congress. And he doesn't seem to have a strategy beyond that. Now, Europe sees that we had to find a way out of this. The Brits, the, the Germans, and the French, they're pressing the Ukrainian government to, to seriously move towards peace talks and to come up with a peace plan. Uh, that's something the Biden administration needs to do. Now, Fred, where we're speaking right now, 45 minutes, I could get in the car and in 40 minutes, 45 minutes, be where that that airman, the National Guard, um, where they arrested him over over the documents. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on just that whole situation, how it was treated. Um, It's um, it's obviously, you know, very puzzling, I find it, to why someone— 21 years old, exhibiting the behavior he was exhibiting, would have access to that kind of intelligence? No, these are good questions. This this gentleman was 21 years old, but he did have a top-secret clearance. He was working in a computer tech job uh, at, at Fort Bragg, so he had access to top-secret systems, but there apparently was not uh, proper monitoring and auditing of what he accessed, monitoring and auditing of what he was printing, and I think the vetting process to give him access to, to a top secret clearance clearly uh, was flawed. And another part of this is that there's just too many people in the U.S. government who have access to information that they don't have a need to know. Uh, so, I mean, on multiple levels, there are serious problems here. We have to have – there has to be an aggressive program to remind people who have security clearances that they have to honor the agreement they made to protect classified information. And when we re-up people for clearances, they have to go through a robust reinvestigation process. We can't wave them through. Was, is, was he, is he – Fred, in your mind, is he a whistleblower? No, it looks like this is someone who is trying to impress his buddies in yeah. a gaming in a game room. Uh, you know, I, I haven't heard that he claimed that, but it doesn't doesn't look that way. No, and Fred, just finally, I mean, if you could touch on, you know, the danger of leaking out of who we have listening devices with and our conversations, and I mean, many times people throw around, you know, it's a risk of national security, but but. I mean, this this seems to fit under the guise of potentially the information he was putting out. It it certainly it doesn't strengthen our national security. No, it it, it talked about American intelligence sources and methods. Those the most those are the most important secrets, uh, confidential discussions we've had with our allies. Some of these intelligence systems, when they're compromised, they. You know, we lose them, and they may have cost billions of dollars to develop. And lives are put at risk when sensitive intelligence is, is released sometimes. Uh, people who took a real chance by helping the United States, by telling us something uh, that's going on in their governments, maybe a Russian, maybe a Chinese citizen, maybe an Iranian, the Iranian government now knows who those people are. They could be killed. Again, folks, former Chief of Staff, National Security Council in the Trump administration, Fred Flights. Fred, an honor to speak with you. Keep up the great work, and we'll talk to you again. Anytime. Thanks much. Remain healthy. Stop in and see Marie at It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. You can also look for her on Facebook, but call her 401 401- 305-3585. You know the building. It's that historic white church diagonally across from Davenport Restaurant. It's my health. What do you find inside? Well, first of all, great service, great selection, vitamins, herbal remedies from trusted companies, local products like ICE, honey, maple syrup, beef fresh gum, over 250 bulk herbs, teas, and spices, plus hemp and cbd products natural skin care it's my health pop in and see marie 1099 menden road in cumberland there's things for your pets there's things for your children there's things for your health stay healthy at it's my health 1099 menden road in cumberland again call marie 401-305-3585 diagonally across from davenport restaurant
John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at our website, DePietro.com. Remember, weekdays, 11 to 2. But visit the website, DePietro.com. That's the best way to reach me. There's a direct link. Contact John. We also have all our sponsors right there. We have unique, original reporting, stories, videos. Also, all our links to social media, whether it's Facebook, when we do Facebook Live or YouTube or Twitter. It's all right there at the website, DePetro.com. And then remember, once you're there, you can also visit the shop. We have great gifts that you can get. It's a happening. All links to the show. Plus, if you ever miss any part of the show, it's all right there under radio show right there. Folks, it all starts by logging on at DePetro.com. And on the left-hand side, you can always listen live. Again, all our links, everything begins and ends right there at the website, DePetro.com. Propane Plus in Rhode Island for all your propane needs. Call them 401-885-4209. In Massachusetts, you can reach them at 508-252-3359. Propane Heating and Cooling, it's Propane Plus. Their team's been there three generations. They're available 24-7 for service and delivery, and they plan on serving you for a long time to come. They offer online billing ability to schedule a service delivery at the click of a button and remember all customers receive a free safety inspection on their equipment it's propane plus and remember with propane it's affordable sustainable equitable good for the environment and now it's renewable call propane plus today at 401-885-4209 in massachusetts call them at 508 252-3359 they're very easy to navigate website it's propaneplus.com propane plus call them 401-885-4209 for over 125 years ameriprise financial has provided advice for clients unique goals help millions of Americans retire on their terms. Now, as we're at the end of the year, beginning of a new year, why not take advantage of our free consultation? Call Tom Bryan today, Ameriprise Financial, 401-434-1510. Offices located 400 Massasoit Avenue in East Providence. Put the strength of a leader in retirement planning to work for for you through a personal one-on-one relationship. Call Tom Bryan today, Ameriprise Financial Advisors, 401-434-1510. Get solid advice. Get a plan, whether it's for yourself, you and a spouse, maybe your children or grandchildren. Take advantage of this free consultation, Ameriprise Financial, 401-434-1510. Call right now, 401-434-1510. Tom Bryan, Ameriprise Financial Advisors. This portion of our program is brought to you by the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln, right off of 146. Delicious food and drink, always a nice crowd. You can either eat in the lounge area, there's normally a game on and a nice group of people there, or you could sit out in the dining room. Don't forget the nice weather, they have the deck open. The Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln, delicious food and drinks awaiting for you. I'll see you at the Lodge. <music> 